This is the Mend Podcast with Joe Roeder from Red's Fly Shop coming at you. We don't have any flashy intro music, none of that. We don't have any time for that because we are going to be talking about how to get the trout on dry flies with today's episode talking about dry fly patterns and how to select patterns. I think I've got a pretty fun format picked out. I'm actually just going to open up my tackle bag, go through my flies and my fly box uh, assortment kind of one by one. I'm just going to chat about some of the flies uh, that are in there and more important than the particular patterns, I'm going to talk about why you would use certain patterns or how to choose a pattern. So uh, this conversation, uh, maybe you can take this information right back to your own fly box figure out how to better utilize what you've already got. And also, if you're looking to purchase some flies, you can do so at redsflyfishing.com. So we do want to get your business too if we can. We ship all domestic orders free over 50 bucks. And uh, we ship fast and we have an excellent shop staff, bunch of friendly pros ready to help you out if you want to call us. And you can find that phone number on the website. So, uh, last episode we talked just uh, about how to become a better dry fly fisherman. Uh, it's, I think it's a solid podcast. There was a couple of things that I feel like I left out uh, or should have put more emphasis on. And uh, after guiding the days following that podcast, uh, I really focused a lot of my attention towards the ripple effect. Uh, and that's the ripple that your fly makes when it lands the ripple that your leader and your fly line can make when it's either casted or mended. And uh, I'd have to go back and listen again, but I hope I put enough emphasis on that because big trout especially, if they can see the origin of your drift when you're dealing with um, terrestrial patterns like grasshoppers and bees, ants and beetles, and it was the podcast was really geared towards late summer dry fly fishing, that if the fish can see the origin of the fly, like it doesn't, most good things to eat <laughs> don't last long in the river. They're not going to be floating for three miles before a trout decides to eat it. Something's going to get that food. So uh, if a hopper plops in the water, if the big trout, you know, the more mature trout, let's just say, you know, something that's been in the river for three plus years, four plus years, not that it's all about big trout, but a size, a trout of good catchable size. If it can see the origin of that, meaning it lands in a way that helps sell it, you're just so much more likely to pick up a fish. So they can see the impact, they can hear the impact, it really helps sell the fly. So consider that, consider the, the rings or the, the impact that your leader and your line has upon delivery is going to have either a positive or a negative effect on the presentation. So uh, anyway, go back and listen to that if you didn't. But let's talk about dry fly selection. So uh, I'm going to just start. I'm not going to video this. Uh, you can't watch a video while you're driving or you shouldn't watch a video while you're driving. And it would be way too long. Uh, but I'm going to start uh, with my big dry fly box. And when I say big dry fly box, it is the biggest of out of all the boxes. It's a Cliff's Bugger Beast Jr. kind of a briefcase style box. So I can have kind of a... Oh, kind of a, a menu, if I will, if you will. I can look at a lot of big flies all at once and um, kind of find what I'm looking for. I don't like, you know, for big dry flies like the Plano style boxes, you know, with just the loose compartments. 
I like my flies to be able to help held in the foam. And I'm just going to go through some of the, the patterns I'm going to name. Uh, and I'm going to start with a lot of hopper and uh, stonefly patterns. And some of them I will, in fact, name, you know, by model number or name. And you can find those uh, on our website if you want to purchase them uh, and, and go back and do that. But uh, more important than that, then talk about, like, materials and colors and why you might want particular colors of flies and et cetera. So uh, let's start with hoppers. Uh, we're just right at the peak of hopper season right now. And uh, it's September 1st. It's opening day of archery deer season here in Washington State, but I'm going on a big elk hunt next week, so I'm getting my work done this week so I can elk hunt next week. You won't be hearing from me during elk season, but uh, that's beside the point. September 1, peak of hopper season. Hoppers on most streams are going to peak from somewhere on the first or second week of August to about September 10th to the mid middle of September, depending on when we get a hard freeze. Uh, hoppers do get larger uh, generally throughout the summer. Uh, they live as grubs in the ground, uh, and then they, they hatch uh, out of the dirt and the soil and the sod. Uh, so in essence, there is a hopper hatch. Some years, hopper hatches are uh, much more significant than others. They're somewhat cyclical. And I will say that the, the spring following a good hopper year we generally see very heavy and above average size fish. That extra protein mass that they get during a good hopper year is noticeable. It's a big deal to the fish because the river only provides so much food. And that's somewhat, you know, I'm sure there's different cycles and things, but that's somewhat of a fixed amount how much food the fish can get inside the river. But then you have a good hopper season uh, or there's other, you know, a, a cycle of other terrestrial insects. A fish eats a hopper, those bonus calories really add up fast. But I'm going to break my hoppers into kind of, let's just say, three categories. And those three categories are going to be uh, a pure foam hopper. And they're going to be, uh, say, a hybrid hopper that's got some foam, maybe a foam body with rubber legs, and then some natural materials on top of it. And then there's going to be, just say, uh, a natural hopper. Hopper El Naturel. Okay. Uh, so let's just start with, uh, let's start with the pure foam. And I've got two uh, in here that are uh, the most popular ones that I use. And that is going to be, uh, I hate the name because I just can't even say it without laughing. It's ridiculous. It's a stupid name. <laughs> I'll just call it the Solitudes Foam Hopper. Uh, it's also called the pan Panty Dropper Hopper. It's one of the dumbest names ever. <laughs> it has nothing to do with fly fishing. Trust me, I know. I've been fly fishing a long time. Um, but that's what it's called in the catalog. Uh, we call it a Solitudes Foam Hopper Reds. Uh, but I, I do really like the fly. It's, it's very three-dimensional. Uh, you, what you see is what you get. It's solid foam. The back legs are composed of a big set of drumsticks. I mean, the thighs on this thing are absolutely huge. And uh, just like a real hopper. And then it's got kind of the shanks of the back legs are bright red, which they often are on hoppers. They'll be kind of this crimson or maroon. And those things stick straight down, which adds a tremendous amount of realism when you view this hopper on the water. 
But the solitude foam hopper, it lands upright most of the time. You do have to give it a twitch oftentimes in order to get the little orange foam on the back to roll upright. And it's got a segmented body, which is really important. Uh, almost all insects have very uniform segmentation on their body. And uh, that's the Solitude's foam hopper. I really like this hopper in the number 10 and number 12 early in the summer. And especially for big trout, I think that smaller size, it just seems to be really effective. The bigger one, yes, you know, I still have some in my box and uh, I definitely carry them. But that smaller size in that Solitude's foam hopper really seems to get it done. Okay, so the next real popular one is going to be the Moorish's uh, foam hopper. And this one is, again, pure foam. Um, it tends to roll upright on its own a little bit better uh, when it impacts. It doesn't have as much segmentation in the body, but it's trimmed on a really three-dimensional wedge. And that's the Moorish foam hopper. Um, I like this throughout the hopper season. Um, one thing I will say about the, the Moorish one is that the pink color in this, especially the bigger sizes, on any, any river where there's large trout, even thinking about a hopper, that really big pink one, like the number six, the number eight, in that pink Moorish foam hopper, I've had tremendous success on that one over the years. Uh, I probably use the tan a little bit more on average, but man, I can remember some of the days with that pink color where the fish were, the big fish especially, were just floating up and grabbing that thing with complete confidence when almost no other fly would move a fish. And th those days are very apparent. I'm sure a couple of listeners may have been out with me in years past when we've experienced that together, or maybe you've experienced it on your own. The green, there's only there's a green, tan, a pink version, but the green in the Moorishes, I've not had as much success on it. Probably looks the most real, and perhaps on other streams or even lakes, I believe people grossly underestimate how effective a grasshopper pattern is in a lake. But that green one in lakes. I've had one experience on a lake where that was the go-to, probably because they could size it up a little bit more and that it wasn't just drifting by them and, and you know demanding a reaction. The fish could actually size it up and the realism of it was very good. So those are my two most popular foam. Uh, there are a couple of Rainey's ones uh, that you really just got to see to believe. Uh, one of them is uh, the head turner, the Rainey head turner hopper is absolutely, like I said, I'm, it's one you just absolutely just got to look at it uh, and you'll go, okay, yeah, that's going to catch fish. It's a little bit fancy for fast-moving water. I really think that in the quicker water, I think some of the, the, the flies that don't look quite as real uh, often get more strikes for whatever reason. Um, I think they create an illusion Whereas that head turner for slower pools, spring creeks, if you're even thinking about throwing it in the lake, I haven't had the pleasure of throwing this one in the lake, but from the eyes to the antennas to the, to the segmented legs, and again, it has bright red legs that go straight down into the water, uh, just like a real hopper. The only downside of the head turner 
is that son of a son of a gun is expensive. Um, those are four and a half bucks. So I don't I don't carry like a dozen of those things, but I definitely have a couple of them. If I'm having a lean day, or a day where those fish are they're short striking, they're sniffing the hopper, moving on, they're just not sold. That Rainey's head turner uh, is one in that you know pure foam category that I really really like. Um, the other one, there's another Rainey's just makes some spectacular. The other one is the kind of moving somewhat into a hybrid one because it's got a natural wing, but the Rainey's Grand Hopper. Uh, is I got this one in a flesh color, and it's kind of a pinkish peach color. And for whatever, well, I mean, if you go look at a lot of hoppers, you're going to see them, or or, um, a lot of them are going to be flesh colored on the undercarriage there. But it's got polka dots on it, which adds just this natural bugginess, you know, bugs are camouflaged and they're patterned. Um, That grand, I've had a couple of really good days. It's, It's got a, you know, fluorescent green and orange little, little, uh, foam indicator on the top and it tends to roll the fly over make it look really good uh so the grand is a really good one uh the grand tends to twitch the best i think like out of all the the bugs i've talked about i really like twitching that grand the legs seem to move a little bit better when you twitch it seems to stay upright uh if if the fish are really looking for a twitch presentation that grand seems to the grand high vis hopper seems to work really good and then again, there's there's one more rainies, and you should have a lot of different size of hoppers because I'm telling you by by this point in the season with hoppers, we're we're at a point where they've seen pretty much the kitchen sink. So having a fly that is a little bit better, you know, a little bit more natural, getting away from chubby Chernobyls and trying to use that as a hopper imitation, some of that other, you know, just stimulator type stuff they've been fished over with. Having a very natural hopper is going to give you a market advantage. Um, hoppers, I probably have a bigger variety of very natural looking hoppers than almost any other bug. Uh, it's kind of turning into the hopper podcast. Maybe I'll just kind of talk about terrestrials on this one, change the title of it from what I was going to do. So in fact, that is what I'm going to do because I'd rather detail out some of this big dry fly stuff. So audible, audible, uh, the, the mosh pit one, uh, is it is kind of similar in and again, it's got, the yellow mosh pit is crazy buggy. That thing makes just a fat, you know, kind of a June bug. Uh, it's it's a hopper by name, but it's just kind of a general attractor. It's got six really flexible legs in addition to the, the bigger legs on the back. And again, it twitches and moves. It's got a straight eye hook, so it tends to stay on the surface when you twitch it and move it. Uh, it doubles pretty good as a stonefly imitation, just the way the body sits is nice and flat. So... Uh, it's just a good general attractor, but, uh, very realistic that Rainey's mosh pit. Again, you know, I don't expect people to go buy a dozen of these. I do expect you to have three of them, four of them, you know, in a good, well-rounded assortment. That one comes in yellow or tan. Uh, a couple of each of those is a really good choice. So, um, okay. So that kind of, those are the real foam based ones that I personally carry. Uh, there's, there's other ones. Our shop sells a bazillion of them. There's other great patterns, but those are the ones that I've got in my box right now. So that's the testimony I can speak to. Oh, there's one, there's one that's, uh, one more I want to mention just called a leopard hopper. It's pretty similar to the Rainey's patterns. Uh, it's, 
it's a, it's not quite as realistic. It's not quite as all pimped out, you know, with all the crazy spots and the crazy eyes and stuff. But it's two and a half bucks, uh, I believe is what that one is. And it's just called the Leopard Hopper. Uh, and that was a really good, solid hopper pattern as well. Like I said, it's not, you'll see the difference. It's not, you know, super, super pimped out like the Rainies. Uh, somebody didn't spend an hour tying these, but uh, the Leopard Hoppers in here as well. And I will throw those, uh, especially if I'm fishing high risk, you know, throwing it up under trees and stuff, right? I don't want to put a Rainies pattern in danger. Well, those are my foam ones, you know, that are just, I would say, kind of the near pure foam. Uh, I only have, you know, there's really only one or two hybrids that I'm going to talk about. Uh, we sell a lot more reds, but like I said, these are what's in my box right now. And let me talk first just about the decision to fish, you know, pure foam versus hybrid. The brighter and sunnier it is, the ten, the more I, if it's like... There's difference between like a clear atmosphere and hazy or, you know, non-clear atmosphere. If the atmosphere is perfectly clear and it's sunny, I tend to lean more towards flies with feather and fiber and hair. More traditional patterns. If it's dark clouds, low light, I tend to fish more silhouette-based flies like the foam bugs. Not to say those don't work in the sun, just over the years that's been my general experience that I would lean towards is on hoppers, I tend to fish like parachute, you know, like if it's bright sun, I'm going to fish Dave's and I'm going to fish parachute hoppers, <clears throat> maybe a stall cups most of the time. But let's talk, uh, let's talk hybrid, those are somewhere in the middle, experiment on your own, but in bright sun, hackle and hair tends to create a lot of illusion, a lot of illusion of movement when sun, when it's backlit and you got sun coming down through the hopper. Now, I absolutely believe you need to stock up on these stream bank hoppers. They have a large elk hair wing. It allows it to play well as a stone fly, and it's got a pretty thin body and not a stubby body compared to some of these others. It makes a really good stone fly pattern. So I use the stream bank hopper for what we call a summer stone or a tan stonefly here in the Pacific Northwest. We've got these great big tan summer stoneflies. The trout go absolutely bananas for them in late summer. But I'll use this stream bank when I've got a lot of hopper and summer stonefly overlap. But it makes a great hopper. It's got a good leg configuration. I like that the legs are checkered. Um, anytime you get checkered legs or pattern legs, it's good to begin with, but that checkered pattern emulates motion and activity, which in flies in general, remember this, number one thing in this podcast, the best dry flies look like they're moving to the trout when they're not. You don't want to have to twitch and move your flies constantly to make them look like they're alive. It's a bad plan because the trout are going to hear and sense that leader moving through the water. You can do a gentle twitch to make a ring. That's the best you can do when it comes to moving flies, in my opinion. The ring sells it. Bugs that are waddling around and moving on the water, they make rings. A drowning hopper makes rings. It doesn't travel much. They don't swim well, but it makes a crap load of rings. So, uh, this fly really does a, a nice job of looking like it's moving when it's not. It's got the checkered and patterned legs. Pull the elk hair on the stream bank hopper, pull it out to the sides to, to kind of give those legs some support 
on the motion. It's also got an orange post on the top for good visibility. If I'm in bright sunlight, I cut that son of a gun off. Just amputate that post. You don't need it in bright sunlight. If you can't see this damn fly, you shouldn't be driving nor fishing. Okay, it's very easy to see with the big elk air wing. If it's in low light or flat light or whatever, you want to leave that orange on there, no problem. But I cut it, I cut the orange off there at least half the time. Always keep that in mind with your big dry flies. If, if there's a part on them you don't like, you're not married to it. Trim it off there. I keep a good set of scissors, uh, with me and I can do that. So that's a stream bank hopper. Stock up on those. Get them top to bottom. They work in a big variety of different situations. And I like them because that L care wing, it's flat and it really does a good job of imitating motion and movement. Uh, more hybrid hoppers, uh, I'll probably jump to what I call a Gypsy King. Uh, you can find these on our website at Reds. Uh, the Gypsy King comes in brown and black, and I'm going to throw it in on the hopper into things because I fish it, you know, I'll fish it during the heat of the day and fish it is this, both a stonefly and a hopper quite a bit, and it's just a very good general go-to attractor pattern as a terrestrial in general. Um, and if I had to list terrestrials, I don't know the names of most of them, but we're going to, we're going to talk about terrestrials as being anything that was not born inside the river or didn't hatch out of the river. Bees, ants, beetles, crickets, hoppers, June bugs, flying ants, termites, all sorts of bugs that we don't even know the names of. Just critters and crawlers, cicadas would fall into that category. There's a lot of stuff just crawling around on that riverbank. You don't have to know the name of all of them, okay? Most of them are terrestrial insects in the late summer. But that Gypsy King in a variety of sizes can imitate a lot of different things, especially that black number 10 just makes a killer cricket pattern. So uh, I found that during the middle of the day when there is not a stonefly to be seen. Our stoneflies by late summer are nocturnal. Uh, I've seen that black number 10 Gypsy King just absolutely kick butt. And that's another one that I'm, I'm holding one right now. It's got a peacock belly. And the cool thing about peacock is it's very iridescent. You can bring almost any color out of it. Uh, if you rotate it or, or spin it right, it'll reflect almost all colors of the spectrum. But I will cut the elk hair wing completely off of that and fish it as a large beetle pattern as well. And that one fishes well on... I fished it in creeks, spring creeks, lakes. Uh, black Gypsy Kings are one of the better terrestrial attractors uh, that you can have. Okay, so that kind of falls. It's foam, it's hackle, it, it's hair. It's it's a bunch of different things. When that hackle and hair gets wet, especially with some greasy floating on there that's shiny, and that light comes down through the top of it, it's really a spectacular-looking bug. Um, the trout are very well sold on that. Uh, speaking uh, kind of to hoppers again, because I'll s- stay on the hopper wagon for a bit, and then we'll start jumping into some other uh, attractor slash terrestrial insects, uh, is the Dave's hopper. The Dave's hopper ain't ever going to quit. Whoever Dave was, that guy's a badass fly tire, because that thing is like that spun hair head and that natural yarn body, that thing straight gets him. And there's no other explanation for it. That thing, it looks, yes, it looks like a hopper, not nearly as much as like some of the rainy flies and some of these foam ones. But man, it must look like a hopper that's struggling and moving 
because that thing, especially on a bright sunny day, I've got a couple of YouTube videos that, you know, we catch some trout and I give you kind of a video testimony of that. But the Dave's Hopper in a variety of sizes should be an, it is a staple. Buy a couple dozen of those at the beginning of hopper season, pitch them up against the shoreline. Don't be afraid to be risky. Uh, and now Dave's, you got to be careful because some of them suck. Don't go buy them at a discount place. Uh, sometimes the legs are too stiff and they'll spin up your tippet horribly or worse yet, the legs fall off almost immediately after you start using them, which makes the fly almost completely useless when the legs fall off because the legs are a fairly prominent part of the profile. Um, it doesn't matter on the Dave's really whether the legs are tied with quill, uh, or if they're just tied with like a pheasant tail and knotted, it really doesn't matter, but I try to take and flare uh, the, the elk hair and, uh, or the, well, deer hair rather, the spun hair in the legs and try to get those legs to stick out nearly 90 degrees away from the fly's body. Uh, I think that's really important uh, to, be able to, to be able to get those legs sticking out away from it. Sometimes I'll take my nippers and I'll cut the red butt down to just a, a really small dot. Some Daves are tied with a little bit larger or more red on it than I personally prefer. Uh, but that's something you can adjust, you know, in your fishing situation as, as you as you see fit there. And whether it has a foam body or a yarn body, it really doesn't matter too much. Uh, the foam bodies are fine. You don't need much floating on the foam bodies. Just put a little bit of grease on the back of the wing and uh, let that thing sit pretty low profile. The Dave's is the only hopper I found. It, the Stall Cups hopper will do this too, but the Dave's is the only one I found that absolutely fishes sunk um, on a really hot, sunny day. It'll fish on the surface well on a sunny day. Uh, yeah, it'll fish on the surface well on a sunny day, but you can actually sink that fly. Uh, you could twitch it and pull it under using fluorocarbon tippet. will help you do that because fluorocarbon sinks especially if you're in slower pools where you can actually see the bug or you're getting a lot of short strikes. Just don't put floating on it. Just spit on it. False cast it once or twice so that it's sitting right on the surface when your cast, cast initially makes contact with the water. And then give it a little twitch or let it sink. And then you can, because you saw it at the beginning of the drift, you'll be able to track it maybe just under the surface for the remainder. I've also gone as far as actually putting a little tiny uh, piece of yarn indicator on there about 18 inches up. Uh, not to fish it necessarily like a bobber, but just as a, a leader tracker so that I can see where my tippet is. And I'll fish that with a little tiny piece of micro shot. And I've had days guiding. I haven't done this in quite a few years, but I can remember, you know, a week of fishing specifically, very vividly uh, in my mind, uh, that it was making the difference between a 30 fish day and a 3 fish day on hot days during the summer. If I would sink that hopper and fish that Dave sunk. That was a huge hopper year. I mean, there was lots of hoppers, but the fish got pretty wise to the ones on the surface pretty fast because hoppers aren't buoyant. Once you got that thing anywhere from one to six inches under the surface, game on. I mean, especially more mature fish would pick that thing up. Uh, the other hopper uh, that I like on a really spooky conditions, hot sunny day, is uh, just a straight parachute hopper. Just a flat feather wing, uh, uh, pheasant tail style legs or, or yeah, like a turkey feather type wing, overwing and then just straight big parachute hackle, you know, nice burly parachute hackle on it. 
Those fish really well in the sun. They ride really low, and they actually double really well as a summer stonefly, which if you live in you know Washington, Oregon, Idaho, you're probably going to see those tan stoneflies later in the summer. Uh, I don't know about other parts of the west, but uh, in the northwest, we, we have those, so... That pretty much wraps up hoppers. There's other, you know, the fish will certainly eat other bugs um, because they're tuned into big leggy critters on the surface. Oh, uh, the only other one I'd say is a J-slam. Uh, there's one called a J-slam. Really like the J-slam for running droppers because it doesn't tend to tangle with a small dropper nymph. Uh, but the J-slam, good profile, stubby little legs. That's why I like running it with a dropper because the legs don't tangle around a dropper nymph. So if I'm running a hopper dropper situation, it floats upright, doesn't tangle, and really, I run the J-Slam a lot to just suspend a small nymph. And when I get them on the... It's a decent dry fly. It's not my favorite, but I really like having... I've got three of them in here, and that's a lot of the reason I'm looking at those right now is because of that. Uh, so that, yeah, that pretty much wraps up hoppers. Uh, let's talk stoneflies. I'm going to spend definitely more time on hoppers. Uh, I'm going to spin, I'm going to go through stoneflies and other terrestrials just in about the next 5, 10, 15 minutes and keep the podcast about 35, 40 minutes. Uh, so stoneflies are going to come in a big variety of ranges and talking a little bit about stoneflies, stoneflies can come in anything from a size 18 to a size four, even a size two salmon flies can be absolutely huge. I'm not talking about a fly for salmon just in case there's any people who are new to entomology here on the podcast uh, a salmon fly is a specific type of stonefly it hatches primarily from april through july on most big western rivers that have a lot of white water you'll tend to find these big orange salmon flies and the hatches can be very very exciting but salmon flies are the biggest example of a stonefly uh in the intercontinental u.s uh but stoneflies can be very small um, think of it a little bit like a motor company uh, the Ford Motor Company could make anything from a, you know, uh, a small Ford Focus type vehicle all the way up to like an F-350, you know, dually long box crew cab type thing. So they come in a variety of different sizes. They're all still Fords, but they can come in a variety of sizes. Stoneflies, same thing. Most people only think of stoneflies in that really large range, but stoneflies can be um, the most the most popular small stonefly would be like a yellow sally, and that can be anything from a 12 to a 16 usually. And a yellow sally's got a bright yellow body, and then when it comes back to lay eggs, it generally has a red, kind of a reddish colored butt on it, the eggs that it's going to lay. And heck, let's just start with those. Uh, the number one yellow sally I like that I'm looking at in here is that Sylvie's Chubby Sally, um, because it, it in that small of a fly when you get down in that like number 14 range uh stoneflies uh are generally hatching out of areas with a lot of white water they don't have very well developed gills and so that they don't yeah they just don't have very well developed gills and so they tend to live in that white water the nymphs do and the yellow sally is one of the few stoneflies that actually gets to the surface a lot of the time and hatches right on the surface tension of the water whereas most stoneflies crawl and migrate to the bank, shed their skin, and they pop out. But yellow sallies will actually hatch right in the surface film, which is, like I said, less common. Uh, the other one that I have that I really like is a Tom Larimer pattern called Larimer's just yellow sally dry fly. That's got a pink butt, uh, pretty easy to see, floats upright, good square floater, which I like. Uh, there's one called, uh, for pickier trout and more calm water situations, 
We got one called the Sexy Yellow Sally. I don't tend to use that one quite as much in the fast areas, but I've had a few situations where I'm on smaller creeks and streams uh, where I've maybe missed them on another, you know, bigger, more obtrusive foam pattern, and then that one's a real delicate uh, parachute pattern with a red butt, and I have can can specifically remember catching a very large cutthroat when I was able to take that bug and and. I found him with another bug. I missed him or refused, but didn't hook the trout. Then I went back, doubled up with that sexy Sally, and uh, got him on that next round. So that's the smaller um, stonefly. Uh, we on the primarily say on the Yakima River and the Natchez River system, and then uh, the Cleelum River and some of the others that we fish here around Reds. We have these tan summer stoneflies where the males don't actually have wings. And uh, so we don't have a lot of patterns specifically engineered uh, for those, but we, t- we run a lot of uh, wing, a fly called the wing thing that I have in here. Uh, and sometimes we'll use reds and olives just as attractors, and we'll cut the wings down on those, or we'll thin the wings out to just a few fibers of white poly, uh, or we'll take that white poly and actually take a black marker over it and turn it just a really unobtrusive soft gray just so that it's not, it doesn't really show up to the fish as a big wing with a lot of commotion and flash to it. So that it just, the, the fish is really kind of seeing just the flat bug itself. And you can cut the wings off of chubby Chernobyls and really make them a flat profile. And I'll carry a big variety of tans and oranges to fish for stoneflies. So I'd say the the core of my stonefly game is going to be chubby Chernobyls, but I'm not always just going to leave that big giant white wing on there. It's nice to start with that if you're in low light situations or you're going to carry droppers. Uh, those are a fantastic pattern. Um, and again, what I mentioned earlier, that stream bank hopper is a really legit summer stonefly as well. I tend to lean on that one a lot during the course of the summers, that stream bank in a variety of sizes. Gypsy King, same thing. Uh, then got to have the probably the most, color-wise, if you want, you can go to our YouTube channel and type like Stonefly, and eventually you'll find some videos or photos of this particular Stonefly that I'm talking about. But the patterns that are probably like, if I had to say, go look at these, and either you're going to tie or you're going to go look at your own fly box. And this stonefly hatch is re-peaking. It peaks in like late July and it's re-peaking right now. Like literally as we speak. As the water cools back down to a similar temperature that it was in late July. But the McKnight's Fat Boy is very naturally colored to match that stonefly. The females have a big wing. The males are have a short stubby little wing. That one in Solitude, Solitude's Hopper Stone, it's a Hendrix pattern. And that Hopper Stone is a very natural pattern, especially as the water gets lower and clearer in the fall and the fish have been beat up a little bit. That one is very natural. So if they don't bite on those chubby Chernobyls, you can modify those. Those are nice because they float good and they're easy to see. And by all means, go fish those damn things. The more people that fish those the more I'm probably going to be able to have success on more subtle patterns. My, If you were to watch me guide, you know, like if there was a camera over my shoulder, I'm going to tend to cut a lot of patterns down. I'm going to tend to tie, I'm going to tie a few. 
I'm not going to talk a ton about the patterns I tie, not just because they're secretive, but because it's not. I'll, I'll tie a few on Facebook videos once in a while. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and you'll see some of the patterns I tie. But they tend to be a lot daintier, and they're not good for everybody because they're not going to be as buoyant. They're not going to take the punch on your men. You're not going to be able to see them as good, but they tend to fish a little bit better um, bite-wise. But I'll tend to fish that hopper stone will be one of my go-tos for a stock tide fly in picky situations. Um, in a lot of the flies I tie, I'm kind of saving for that situation when we're missing fish, they're short striking, or if we're, I think the fish are looking for dries and we're just not able to generate action. Uh, then I'll use those and I'll use that that hopper stone. Uh, so that that's definitely a winner. I like that hopper stone. We have one called the Tupac Stonefly that I'm looking at here uh, that I like. We sell that in tan and black. You can use both those for terrestrials. It might make a good tan stonefly in the larger size. I believe the biggest one we have is an 8. On that Tupac, I tend to take a black Sharpie, I'll put eyes on it, and I'll checker the legs. The only thing I don't like about it, it's tied on a pretty light-colored hackle. And I, I wish it was tied on a grizzly hackle, but it catches fish either way. So maybe white's better, but that Tupac Stonefly, you can use that as an ant, BB, uh, or ant, B, beetle, general terrestrial, the black color, variety of sizes, works awesome. Just a killer general bug. Uh... Really like that pattern, but the tan works pretty good as that tan stonefly uh, as well. And another bug that I'll talk about in a moment. So, Tupac stones, that's another one I'll run as a stonefly. Uh, and then I've got some uh, rainy, I got the rainy, let's, let's move on from summer stones because I could make a podcast just about damn stoneflies. I love them. Uh, on our river, we have a lot of stoneflies. They start hatching in, in like March with the squala stonefly and I'll run a lot of squala patterns later in the summer during the summer stonefly hatch I'll run that bitterroot squala if you know what that looks like or you don't know go look but that bitterroot actually plays well later in the summer a lot of people don't give that a fair shake later on uh, but we have a squala stonefly start in March followed by golden stones salmon flies uh, summer stoneflies throughout the year, yellow sallies in June. Uh, we have a lot of different types of stoneflies. We really get two waves of these summer stones. Like I said, we get them in July, we get them later on. Uh, so a lot of stoneflies to toy around with. The other one, uh, I don't love it as a mender, meaning they sink a little bit when you mend them, but they tend to float low. So if the fish are short striking a little bit or water temps get, you know, to the mid-60s and the fish are a little lethargic or just Solitude's bullethead family of stoneflies. The 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 Solitude's bullethead squala absolutely kicks butt. That thing just gets him. It's got a gray like this gray yarny wing that's just it's got some translucent fiber in there that just absolutely kills him during that squala hatch. The golden stone's good. I have a couple of those on hand, uh, and then this the sand bullethead salmon flies kick kick at kick butt too. Uh, Try to watch my mouth a little bit. <laughs> it's kick butt too. Uh, that solitude uh, salmon fly is great. So that one is also very, very good. And then the Rainies. Rainies has a Terranarcist. Uh, and then there's uh, there's just so many patterns. I'm looking at the Kurt, Kurt's Egg Drop Stonefly series. It's got a 
this super big yarn wing. That thing always floats up, right? It carries a dropper killer, and it's got a big old black egg sack on the back, which I love the egg sack because much of the time when stoneflies are on the water, it is a female laying eggs. So that big black ball of eggs on the back, you could do it with a marker, but that Kurt's egg drop is like this black east as, and that thing just tends to give those trout a beacon to identify, yes, that's a big old female stonefly laying eggs, and they're familiar with seeing that big old black butt on those females, and they hone in on that, so there's times I think that is a difference maker. So, they're really kind of, that takes us through a ton of stoneflies. I, that, that Kurt's egg drop um, is killer because it comes in salmonfly, squala, and golden. That really, in a couple of sizes, that really has a ton of coverage just right there. Um, you know, get a couple of the Kurtz, depending on, you know, what's hatching. But don't forget that pattern. Just look at our stoneflies. Our flies are categorized pretty well. If you go to redsflyfishing.com, you click on flies, dry flies, stoneflies, you'll see the patterns are pretty well uh, organized. As far as smaller terrestrials go, I'm just going to hit this really quick. The flying ant game is probably the best. The classic Chernobyl-style pattern, meaning a number 10-ish or number 12-ish black ant with eight legs, is a is really tough to beat. We sell one called a double-post parachute foam ant that's in black. And if I had to pick one fly out of this box to fish the rest of my life that's a dry fly, it's going to be that or it's going to be a Royal Parachute Madame X in number 10 on both of them, same size, number 10. Because fish, I love to dry fly fish during the summer. I prefer to wade fish small streams for mid-sized trout. I'm not into trout fishing because they're all big. I like to catch a sturdy, you know, good, solid, scrappy trout. But my heart lives with 10 to 14-inch trout um, sipping dry flies. And if I had to pick one fly, Royal PMX number 10 or Double Post Flying Ant number 10, because that Royal PMX with the, the two basically bulbs of peacock really makes a fantastic ant pattern so love that pattern as well uh, we have one called a mini bee um, yes fish do eat bees especially later in the year right around the first hard freeze uh, get yourself a six pack of mini bees and that flies great on small streams well as the big water too and uh and then one i'm mentioned last uh it's the last terrestrial I'll really talk about uh, is going to be, or at least one I'll talk about by species, is going to be a crane fly, and that is the most overlooked uh, terrestrial insect in the entire box. I have my son tying those by the dozen for me right now, and he, I give him two bucks a piece for those things on trade. Uh, he wants a BMX bike right now, so he's uh, he's earning it tying crane flies for me, but. Um, that crane fly, so I, I have him tie him just so I can feed my son and uh, get him doing something. But uh, we have a couple of crane flies at Reds that you got to know about. Um, like I said, you're a loyal listener. And uh, one is the Rainey's Big Daddy crane fly. I've kept this damn thing a secret long enough. Um, don't be afraid to trim the legs down just a little bit. I think they make them a little bit long, and they, they're not quite stiff enough, in my opinion, but it it's a killer pattern. It's an absolutely killer pattern. Get a handful of those. Uh, you can also checker the legs. I'm giving away all the secrets here. 
Rainy's Big Daddy Crane, late summer, and then Solitude's Crane Fly is also an absolutely kick-butt fly. It's a little more delicate. Make sure you you know put some floating on your leader and you've got a good floating fly line so that when you mend it, it doesn't sink. But those crane flies, you can just search for crane at redsflyfishing.com and you can see those. But especially for picky trout, I really like those late in the summer, all the way into early October, in fact, uh, at least around these parts. But um, anyway, that's I'm not going to make a bunch of small talk. Um, I just say shop with us. Uh, we ship everything free over 50 bucks. You can get these flies there. We'll do another podcast. I'll get into like more hatch-oriented dry flies. Uh just kind of hitting terrestrials and stoneflies today. Made it 45 minutes. That's probably enough to digest right now for you guys. So anyway, thanks a ton for listening. Check us out, Facebook, Instagram, follow our website, shop with us, uh, you know, subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We'd love to help you out, and uh, we'd love to get your support too. Anyway, thanks. Joel from Reds here, out.